Attention mamas, are you stuck in a cycle of overwhelm, frustration, and guilt, constantly chasing time? The struggle is real. You yearn for a moment of accomplishment, only for tasks to unravel in no time at all. You know planning your days would make life easier, but who's got time for that amidst the chaos? Your schedule is packed and you're pulled in countless directions, making it challenging to prioritize what truly matters. Your scattered brain battles distractions and an ever-growing to-do list. You want to savor the fleeting moments with your kids, recognizing this precious time won't last forever. Yet you find yourself frustrated and overtired, yearning for a way to catch up and truly enjoy the present. Enter my upcoming digital course designed for busy, overwhelmed moms like you. I'm offering 10 early enrollment spots at a massive 50% discount in exchange for your valuable feedback. This future $297 course is yours for just $148 until November 20th or until these exclusive spots fill up. Take advantage of this limited time opportunity while it lasts at tanyavalentinecoaching.com forward slash time. That's T-A-N-Y-A-V-A-L-E-N-T-I-N-E coaching.com forward slash time. And here's the cherry on top. You will receive lifetime access to the course, ensuring you receive all updates. Take the first step to unlock a life of calm, peace, and ease. Because remember, it's not time that needs managing, it's our minds and how we navigate our lives around time. This course is crafted with the mom of young kids in mind, recognizing the significance of this phase in our lives. Don't miss out and enroll today. friend, my name is Tanya Valentine, and I'm a mom of three, registered nurse turned certified life coach and entrepreneur. And I'm so excited to welcome you to the Momentum Podcast, a weekly podcast where we bypass the small talk and get right into the real struggles moms face every day, from bedtime battles to feeling like no matter what we do, it's never enough. Think of this as your mom support group in the form of a podcast. Each week, we introduce new ways of thinking and actionable tools you can implement to bring more ease, peace, and joy in your home. Go from treading water to finding your flow in motherhood. Hello, and welcome to the Momentum Podcast, the show dedicated to inspiring, uplifting, and empowering women on their journey through motherhood. I'm your host, Tanya Valentine, and today we have a guest on the show who is someone that I admire and respect so much. I am thrilled to have Allie Ambrose on the show with us today. 
She's a devoted mother of three, a successful realtor, and perhaps most remarkably, she's celebrating 17 years of sobriety. Today, she's here to share her incredible journey with us from the challenges of addiction to the inspiring heights of recovery. We'll explore what drove her to get sober, how she stays committed, and the countless ways her life has transformed. I promise you her story is one of resilience, hope, and the power of personal growth. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming our guest, Allie Ambrose. Welcome to the show, Allie. Thank you so much for being here. That was so nice. So many nice words. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, I mean it from the bottom of my heart, and I really appreciate your time. I know that you're busy, like you have a career and you have three kids. So this means the world that you're here to share your I'm glad to be able to be here to do it. We'll dive right in and I'll start, or can you start just by sharing your personal journey with our listeners and what led you to the decision to get sober? Sure. How has your life transformed because of it? Oh, such a loaded list of questions. So for me, really, it was, I got sober on June 1st of 2006, and it was after a pretty bad DUI accident. I had rear-ended a guy that had a little boy in the car, and he had such an impact that, you know, the seatbelt, his little buckle had come off. So, and this was not, this was at like 10 in the morning. So this is like where the place that I was And I had been doing this game over and over again, different colleges, coming home, going to detox, going, I got sectioned a few times. And like, I knew that day that like, it was, it was over for me as far as like, I either was going to have to kill myself or I was going to have to really get sober because there was no, I couldn't do it anymore to my family or myself. So for me, it wasn't a decision more so than what happened. I guess for me, it was like God intervened and knew that like, like I wasn't going to be able to continue on the way it was like, I was going to die no matter what. And so that accident that day, and I mean, one of the nicest police officers arrested me and I was such a pain and I was such a a nightmare that day. Um, And I've gone back and he and I have talked over the years, like several times about that experience. And, you know, I was so young, I was 20, 23 years old. I was a baby, but I was so, so sick. So for me, like I never drank socially, even in high school, like with friends, I thought everybody blacked out. I thought when you drank alcohol, that's what you were supposed to happen. Like you're supposed to black out and not remember. And I don't think I, I, I'm a true believer that I was born with this genetic disposition. And the second that I put any substance, mind, mood, or altering in my system, like the lights went off and they did not shut off. You know what I mean? Like it was go time. And that's how it was with everything. So the way I drank at 15, 16 was already very alcoholically. And I went down to Utampa and it was, now I had free reign without my parents to control, right? Like, Hey, you can't drink and drive. You can't, you know, you got to be home at this time. It was a free for all. And that, I mean, I went off to another planet when I was down there. It just, I was drinking every day. I was going to class drunk. I didn't go forward with cheering and at Utampa cause I couldn't get up in the morning. It was just, 
it was such a, I think back to it, like how chaotic and exhausted it really was. And to try to hide it too, because, you know, at that age, there's, you didn't know of anybody that truly had, I, I didn't know why my roommates could not drink every day. I literally had to at that point. What I didn't know is I was getting sick because I was already so physically addicted to it, right? I mean, stomach getting pumped. I had pancreatitis three times before the age of 21. It was, yeah, it was really, um, yeah, it was, I was really sick. So right before I got sober, I was hospitalized for 50 something days. I had pancreatitis so bad and alcoholic hepatitis. My liver was so inflamed that they had to start dialysis. They're like, you can never drink again. But I did. I got out. And I thought, well, I'll start buying the little nips instead of like the big bottles of vodka. And I'd drink 10 of those. And it was just like, it didn't scare me when I was wicked sick. I literally couldn't stop drinking. I couldn't. It was crazy. It was a constant. It was just constant. And so, you know, by the grace of God, I did not kill anybody in that accident that day. I did not kill myself. But if I hadn't gotten sober when I did, I can assure you I wouldn't be here today. My body couldn't handle it. My mind couldn't handle it. And I don't know. I mean, I think one of the major factors when I was down in rehab in Florida, my parent, I ended up finally going away. I went away for six months. I ended up doing sober living um, and I stayed down in West Palm beach, but my grandfather lived 30 minutes away from the rehab. And so my family was up here, obviously. And my grandfather was 32 years sober at the time. So he started bringing me to meetings. And so I was going with my grandfather and I truly believe it was like, you know, God works the universe, however, whoever you choose to believe of a higher power had a plan for this to happen. Like I went with my grandfather to meetings, like what an amazing bond. I mean, I learned so much about him and he was like, listen, kid, all you got to do is get through the 60 days here. And then I was like, I have to do sober living. And he's like, all right, all you have to get through is, you know, three months and then see what happens. He never pushed it. He was just like, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And so, you know, up until he died, my grandfather gave me, oh, it's so emotional. My grandfather would give me every year, my medallion. And, um, and we continued to go to meetings together until he passed away. You know, it was, um, we used to say he was the oldest one in the room and I was the youngest because there wasn't many kids my age getting sober. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're still, you know, the ones that have are either not with us anymore. And I, I, I just got really lucky. I really did. I got really lucky. And it's, I had to be physically removed from my element and I needed really hard therapy to be honest I mean it was like I could not stop drinking I was drinking against my will I remember just crying sitting in my car I'd been thrown out of my new college I was at Merrimack and I would go because I didn't want my parents to know I was thrown out and I'd drink in the car by myself when I thought of an alcoholic I thought of a you know the homeless man or the crazy uncle at the bar these are the things that you think about I didn't think it was a 22 23 year old kid that could not stop drinking but like there is no, it does not discriminate. It really, really doesn't. And it's addiction and alcoholism is a powerful, powerful disease, but recovery can even be more powerful. It's just, you really have to, 
you have to put your hands up and say like, okay, I can't do this alone. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and for me, like the recovery rooms in the halls, that's just what helped. And that's really what happened to me. And it continues to happen every day. Like there are no days off. Like, do I think about drinking like I used to? No. Can I be in a room full of alcohol? I can. And it doesn't bother me. I have friends that drink, you know, we're very, so me and my husband don't, we're both sober, but I have my limits. I start getting real antsy if I'm around it too long. It's just like, I always have to have like, no, like, it's like, if that's not my life, I can do it for a short period of time, but then like, I need an exit plan. And I protect myself from that. Cause like, there are no guarantees that just because I've been sober this long, that means I'm going to be sober tomorrow. Right. Like there, right, right. It's, it's a daily reprieve against the monster of addiction, right? Like you have to always have a guard up of some sort. Cause if you don't, that it gets away from you. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in a situation like, Oh, was it that bad? Maybe I could just drink wine with my mom friends. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. And have I thought that over the years? Absolutely. I'm like, well, maybe it was cause I was so young. My body couldn't handle it. And then like I negotiating out, like, with yourself. Yeah. yeah. And then I play out the tape of like the last few days. I mean, I was in so much physical pain. I believe that like, I mean, pancreatitis was worse than childbirth. I can tell you that I've been through childbirth with no meds and pancreatitis and pancreatitis. I felt like I was exploding from the inside. It was so painful. So I always bring myself back to like those things like, okay, like, do I ever want to feel like that again? Would I ever want to risk like losing my children? Cause like, that's the end result, right? Like put kids in a car, get a DUI, kill them or something. So I always have to play out that play. Like, listen, a drink to me is not worth what could come. Right. And yeah. like my kids have never seen me ever have a sick about it. Nothing. They don't know. M- mom's never just had, you know, passed out on the couch or partied with friends and came home too late. They've never seen that. And for me, it's like, it's really important for me personally. It's like, they're going to grow up and know, like, you don't have to drink if you don't want to. Like my mom doesn't drink. My dad doesn't drink. Like, it's not because everybody does it. And that's a personal choice. My kids are going to have to make. Right. Right. And like, you can still have a good time and not drink too. I think that's right. a powerful message to send to them. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've gone through all kinds of things without drinking. I've gone through weddings too. <laughs> you know, I got divorced and I didn't drink. There's been dear friends that have died. I didn't drink family members that died. I didn't drink mom having stage four cancer. I didn't drink. So like, there's all these things that I've gotten through and stayed sober. So like, I know that I truly can stay sober through anything. Right. And it's like, for me, it's like, I don't, that doesn't define a good time for me anymore. And I think society puts such a strong hold on like, that is what a good time is to unleash, unload, relax. And it's, it's killing people slowly, right? People that can't just put it down. It's like ruining lives. And it's a really hard thing because it's so socially acceptable. And I think that's why it's so hard for people to not do it, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's something that they're doing to escape, escape their emotions, right? Like we weren't brought up or really taught how to 
process emotions or regulate our emotions and what we're taught to do is buffer with food, alcohol, drugs, social media, just anything to not feel. Right. uh, I mean, it's a lot, right? Like life is a lot. And like the pressures and stressors are like, I mean, some days I feel like I can't breathe. Right. And I have to go back to like now the tools that I've had to learn to use that I can't, you know, for dealing with that. Cause of course, when I was anxious before I would take a couple shots and then I'd be even killed. Right. Um, and that's just not like an option today for me. So it doesn't even come into like, okay, that's something that I could do. It's like, I have to ground myself. I have to meditate. I need to breathe. I need to know that this feeling won't last forever because it won't. Yeah, right. It and that's like does. the thing is like a feeling is temporary. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you're in it, you don't feel like it's temporary. It's like, it's never going to end. And sometimes mm-hmm. it takes hours or days to end, but that feeling does end. It doesn't stay yeah. forever. So it's like, you got to find the other alternatives. And for me, that's like exercise is huge. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it's like, it's just part of my routine. If I don't, I feel so thrown off. It's a way to get my anxiety out. It's a way for me not to be snippy with my kids, you know, getting that all out. And for me, it's spending time with self. Sometimes it means like going in the closet and taking like just some damn time to myself. Cause like when you have kids running around, a husband games, their activities work, it's, it's nonstop. And like, I remember like, it's okay to take a few minutes and collect myself and then go tackle the next thing. It's absolutely necessary. It is absolutely right. necessary to do it because if not, like, you're just not gonna, you're gonna react. You're not going to respond. Yeah, it's just, it's a react. lot. I mean, yeah. life is a lot. Being a woman in this day and age is a lot. We're, you know, we're working the same as men. We're still raising our children and expected to run a household. A lot of, I mean, my husband's great. He chips in when he can, but he works longer hours, right? And it's a lot. And I can see where it's just the natural reaction to reach for a glass of wine because it's it's so much during the day and everyone wants to just have that relief. And it, right. It can, if you turn, it can be a line in the sand of being casual drinking to becoming problem drinking. Right. And I feel like that line, especially for women is crossed and people feel so much shame about it. Yeah. And it's like, we're not, we're not unique from it. Right. Just because we're women, like we're, but that doesn't say that we can't have these issues or, have anxiety and you know mental it's mental health like everything it's just so much but like we're not excluded from that right Mm -hmm. so it's like I see that women I mean I know so many women that just fall into it and um and I think people are still if you say like you're not drinking people wonder well why did you have a problem with it are you sick are you pregnant and it's like why does it have to be a reason, right? Like there's a stigma around not drinking too. And it's still here. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's crazy. I mean, I remember I went to um, a function not too long ago and somebody asked me five different times, why are you only drinking water? Let me get you something to drink. I said, no, I'm good with my water. Well, why don't you want something to drink? It's like, why are we yeah. asking people those questions? There's no boundaries and it's because I'm not, right? Right. 
I think it's too like that other person like projecting on you too. Like I think it makes them uncomfortable when it you're makes you very uncomfortable when especially yeah. it's become the social norm, like to congregate or be at a function, like you have to be drinking. Like think yeah. about that. Like how screwed up are we as society that at a four o'clock function, everybody has to have a drink in their hand. Mm-hmm. Our society tells us like, you've earned it. Yeah. It's the message. But the reality yes. is people, you know, there's so many people that are fighting with alcoholism and addiction and it's still like people have such a stigma around it. And I'm not sure, you know, why that is, but I just continue to talk about it and just be like, listen, like there's plenty of us that don't drink, that don't do drugs, Mm -hmm. that, you know, and we're like, we're okay. We're pretty normal and fun. Like it's okay. Right. Right. You know? And so there's anybody that like is listening is thinking about being like sober curious and, just not drinking for health reasons. What's the worst that can happen? Try it out. Right. I guarantee right. you'll feel if the you'll definitely feel better, right? Yeah. But like maybe you'll get some power back in your own life with your emotions and stuff. So I think it's a good thing for people to at least uh dapple with to see like, yeah. you know, just don't drink to see what happens, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, let's talk about the benefits of being sober. Like for me, like I've been sober now for two years. And for one, like I just, my energy is so much better. Like I think it's as a mom, so important to get up before your kids. Mm -hmm. I need that time. I get up every morning at 5am and I do my morning routine and I can't do that if I've been drinking the night before, or maybe I can, but it is not going to be like it's going to be that much more difficult to get up and I'm just not going to be in the right frame of mind or I'm just not going to like, you know, give my workout my all. Like I'm just not going to have like that energy to do that. And another thing is I don't want like my kids, like I want to be a good example for my kids. Right. And like, I don't want them. I don't want to be slurring my words in front of them or like smelling like alcohol in front of them. And I don't like being sober. I don't ever have to worry about getting a DUI for, you know, and I think too, like, just like this higher level of thinking, Mm -hmm. like I just, the clarity, right? Like I just like the higher level of self, right? Like, yes, you're in tune with like, self and like it's so important to be with yourself know yourself and be able to be yourself and if you have something like alcohol how can you truly be any of those things because it's just a mask right it's a veil yes and if you once you get sober and your mind's cleared out it's amazing the amount of self that you really get to know right like I'm sure for you you're like wow and I think people are afraid of that to get to know themselves. Yeah, it's scary. When I was doing like my own like self-discovery, which I continue to do every day, but mm-hmm. I realized, oh, that's why I drank because I hated who I was. Like I was just, and I'm like learning that like self-love and like yeah. every day it's like a process you know like it's just every day like a progression like I'm in progress but yeah it's just like not being comfortable in my own skin like yeah well I think you know that's 
what alcohol like helps us forget, right? The anxiety, the insecurity. But the problem is, is once the alcohol wears off, it comes back even right. stronger. So then it's, a, it's like, it's a, it's a spiral. It's like the hamster in the wheel. It just it's spinning and spinning and spinning mm-hmm. and it just doesn't stop. And it's like, how exhausting it's yeah. exhausting enough in life, but then to grapple with that, it's, it's just too much, right? It's just too much. And life, life is hard enough. <laughs> life is hard enough. And like, just because I got so regularly speak for myself, like it doesn't mean that bad things won't happen. It doesn't mean that, mm-hmm. you know, things are going to be easy peasy all the time. Life's wicked hard. Life is wicked hard. But what I do know is I've had some major events in my life and I've gotten through them sober. So I can assure somebody else, like they can do it too. Yes. I love that. You are just like an example of what is possible and how empowering to know that you can do that. Yeah. And I always think though, too, like I'm not exempt for being, you know, somebody that couldn't pick up a drink. So like I, for me, like I never think like it can't happen to me. And I keep that in front of me all the time because I don't want to ever let my guard down to the point of not being scared anymore. Just because it's 17 years, like I still want to be scared. I still want to be scared of what could happen. And I am. It doesn't debilitate me, but I don't want to ever have to start over again. I don't want to ever have to go to detox again. I don't ever want to have to be sweating to the point of like white knuckling and my heart racing so bad, you know, hearing things. I never want to do that again. Yeah. And for me, it's like, I have to always say, what if? Yeah. And I don't think that it's really talked about either. Like, how bad it can actually get. Like, I didn't know yeah. how bad it was until I became a nurse. And I, I treated a ridiculous amount of people who were alcoholics and I've seen them die, suffer and die. Like I, like a, like a wake up call for me was, I'll never forget these two women that I took care of and they were in their thirties and they died. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people realize like one of the major causes of death in alcoholics is bleeding, which is like so gruesome, but like I would see people just bleed to death because what happens is your liver is responsible for like, for making your platelets um, and your plate, you need your platelets, your platelets clot your blood. So you don't bleed to death. So when your liver isn't working properly, your platelets are in the toilet. So there's that. And then they get these esophageal varices, which are like swollen blood vessels that develop in your esophagus, which is your food pipe. Um, But they're really fragile and they tend to bleed. And this happens because um, the blood flow is blocked in the liver. So that's what creates these varices. And anyway, I mean, yeah, I've seen people come and like they have to get these varices banded and you know, lots of times, you know, it's not successful and they come back and um, yeah, that's, it. it's scary. And then there are other many people also, they get ascites, which is, I don't know if anybody knows what ascites is, but it's like this fluid buildup in your stomach and you look like you're nine months pregnant and you're not, it's yeah. just this fluid buildup that happens when your liver isn't working, but they have to come in like multiple times a month or a week and they have to have their stomach drained. So drained. they have yeah. a needle and a catheter put in their stomach and they have to have it drained. And then 
just, yeah. And, and some of them even have to have the drains uh, surgically implanted because they're just having to ha come in so often to have a drain. It just doesn't make sense. So they have a drain that is surgically implanted in their body. And like, that's how bad it can get. <laughs> and I just don't think, I know I didn't know. So just like to inform uh, yeah. everybody listening and yeah, really not the idea to, to scare, just to inform you and just to plant a seed of like positive change. Right. Really I want to do here. So what would you say to anybody who maybe they're not an alcoholic, but they're like sober curious, like they, yeah. they think that they're just like drinking too much. What do you think? Like, honestly, and I tell people this step. one time, just try not drinking for 10 days and just see how you feel. Journal how you feel without it. Just see yeah. how you feel. There's no, there's nothing saying that you can't drink again or that this is forever, but just see how you feel without it. You don't know until you try. And, and the reality is, is not everybody is going to have a problem with drinking, but most people that have bad things happen to them, it's because a problem from drinking, right? Anything, mm -hmm. people's big th life things of, you know, DUIs or getting sick out with your girlfriends. It didn't happen if you hadn't drank too much, right? Or if you don't make mm -hmm. those kinds of decisions. So just see how you don't feel for a short time. And maybe do it another 10 days after that. And there's nothing saying mm -hmm. that it's forever. But if you really think right. that you could have a problem with your relationship with alcohol, if you're already thinking that or wondering if you have a problem with your relationship with alcohol, then you probably do. Right. So if, if you think you have a problem or you overstep boundaries with booze, the reality is, is you probably do, right? So what is the worst thing that can happen if you just try not to drink for a period of time? That's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. And just see how you feel. Mm -hmm. And it's okay just, to like, and don't feel shame about it because there are plenty of people out there that are going yeah, through the I same mean, thing and don't be ashamed to ask yeah, for society, help either. Like, what I'm saying, like, it's still such a stigma and it is, it makes me so infuriated that there is still such a strong stigma around if you have a drinking problem or it's like a secret, right? We have to keep this a big mm -hmm. secret. We go to recovery meetings that remain anonymous, which is great. So you never have to worry about somebody, but it's, it's all based in like secret because yeah. I don't think people want to talk about it because then it's like, oh, so-and-so oh did you know his wife mm, she had a bad problem it's like why would that be a positive thing of yeah. that's being talked about so I think the more people that share like you and I that like hey listen yes. we don't drink and we're doing okay and if you have a problem there are people to help you like you don't have to be alone in this and a lot of people have so much shame surrounding it themselves and because society or whatever reason that you don't think you're going to be able to be helped or there's nobody else like you, but there is, there's so many of us like you, regardless if we don't have the same story, but you don't have to do it alone. And right, you right. shouldn't be embarrassed to ask for help. No. It's just, I wish, I just wish more people talked about it. Like if people say to me like, Oh, why are you sober? I'm like, I had a very, very bad addiction with alcohol and I'm open about it, you know, always, because if I help one person, like mm. 
my job is done. All the pain mm-hmm. I went through, my job is done. Because mm-hmm. if you can just help one person, they could have all the things that we have. And that doesn't mean materialistic things. No, I have love, confidence. I can be a daughter, a wife, a mother, a sister. My brother struggled terribly with alcoholism and I never shoved it down his throat. I just kept being an example. And when he wanted help, he came to me and he said, thank you for never pushing it on me. And like, that's all that matters, right? So there's people here that like, we're here for you. We're here to talk. Even if you're just wondering if you should stop for a little bit, like there's talk it out with somebody else, talk it out with somebody that's done it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And just see what, you know, what could happen if you don't drink, right? Mm-hmm. And we're not going to, ju- and we're not going to judge you. You won't be, you won't be judged. Make sure. Yeah. And go to somebody. Yeah, who- no, there is no judgment. And you know what? If you do end up still drinking, there is no judgment because who are we to judge for anybody else? This is just what works for us. But Hey, I'm going to always be here. Somebody that wants to talk, even if they continue to drink and there may be a problem with it. Like I'm still here. Like, let's find ways to help you feel better, regardless if you're drinking or not, right? Like, there's nothing like that means you, there's going to be a judgment if you don't stop drinking, if you relapse a few times, like, that's part of this. That's the Mm -hmm. ugly truth. Like, not everybody gets sober and that's okay. And it's also really sad though, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. There is no, there's no judgment. There's nothing that anybody can say to me that would make me look at somebody and say, oh, wow, they're way worse than me. Right. 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 Everybody's everybody's life experience, like what they've been through their upbringing. Yeah. Everybody's different and there's no judgment and don't let that be what stops you from getting help. No, don't let judgment, shame, or fear stop you from just reaching out to somebody. It doesn't mean changing your whole life, but just reaching out and maybe talking about it. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you should be so proud of. Like if you do do it, if you do reach out and get help like that takes a lot of courage. It's so is and so it's such a simple, too. yeah. And it's such a simple step, just saying, Hey, like asking for help. And that's all you have to do. You don't even have to say anything after that. Just see right. what somebody says to you and, and see where your path follows. I love it. And as we wrap up our conversation, do you want to just leave our audience with a message of hope or inspiration? Like what's one thing you'd want to convey to uplift and encourage those who are listening and might be on their own path towards positive change. So I just always hope that what somebody gets from when I speak is this thing of disease or obsession, however you want to describe it, it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter how old you are what your socioeconomic status is. It affects rich, poor, every kind of skin color, male, woman, kids, right? This is where we're at. And there is nothing that you can do about it except to try to get some help. And do not be afraid to just to talk to somebody about how you're feeling. Because if you don't open up your mouth and you don't hear what somebody else has to say, you never know what could have happened. Like, I don't know for me, If I hadn't said to that police officer that day, I said, you have to arrest me because I can't stop drinking. And he looked at me and he said, oh, 
honey, you're already being arrested. But in my head, it was like, I knew I'm like, if, if you don't arrest me, I'm not going to be able to do it. Like, I have to be like, please. It was like, I had to be arrested. And I'm here. I have a, ch- a career, three children. And like, I made it right. Yeah. One day at a time. And my grandfather used to say to me, kid, make it one minute at a time. If you make it a minute, 60 minutes makes you an hour. And I used to literally sit there and be like, okay, I just got to make it. I got to make it another few minutes. And like, I love that. If everybody has to take a step. You, all you have to do is take a step and then you don't have to run the mile right away. You just have to take a step. And learn from like, it, it is nothing to be ashamed of. Like, I love your story. And because that happened, because you went through that trial in your life of being addicted to alcohol, the bond that you were able to have with your grandfather. And I'm sure like all oh. the lessons that you learned from him and then this, like what we're doing today. And I'm sure like you've done even more like prior to this and just like the connections I'm sure that you've made like in AA or wherever in your life, but just like what you've been able to like teach others. That was why you went through that trial in your life. Yeah. I hope, I hope I can just continue to help people if they need it. And that's like, that's really what it's all about for me. Cause it was so freely given to me and there was people to help me. And there are still so many people there now that still help me. Right. And my grandfather, he is, I feel him all the time. I think he would be so proud to see me and my brother, what we've done with our lives and helping others and staying sober. I, it would be a trip. It would be a trip for him to see us like this because he didn't see my brother sober, but he always said to me, he's going to get it someday. That kid, he's going to get it. And he did. And um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really cool thing to have that connection with my brother because he, we understand there's, we get it. So it's, um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's so nice. Well, I know your grandfather, he, he's not physically here, but I know that spiritually he is looking down on you and he is so proud. Um, and I did, I wanted to, before you go, I decided recently it would be fun to add a rapid fire question segment to the end of these shows. Um, I just thought it would be a fun way to get to know you a little bit better. And so are you up for it? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Okay. So how does this work? Because I just have five questions that I've prepared in advance. And when I uh, ask the question, just answer the first thing that comes to mind. No filter. Okay. Okay. Ready? Yeah. All right. So the first question is, what self-care activity is something you absolutely prioritize and consider a non-negotiable? Botox. <laughs> Botox. I don't care what anybody says. Judge me if you may. It makes it. me so happy. And you look I, great. I, it makes me so happy and I don't care. I'll never stop doing it. They can tell me whatever I leave. And I feel like I ran a Boston marathon. It's my favorite self-care thing. Good for you. Yep. And love it. Is, is there someone in your life whom you consider a role model and who inspires you? My mom. Oh, I yeah, love my that. mom every day. You know, she five years ago got a crazy cancer diagnosis, and it was such a small percent of that they could even treat it or get rid of it. 
and my mom handled it like a boss and and I am so proud of how she handled it during her treatments. We're so lucky that she's still here. And she retired from as a guidance counselor and she helps me and my brother with, with our children. And it's, um, she inspires me every day. She's the strongest woman I know. And I would not be who I am today or, and I probably wouldn't be sober if it wasn't for my mom. Cause she, um, she refused to allow me to stay sick. So what an awesome mom. Yep. Uh, And what's the best advice you've ever gotten? To let it go. Oh yeah. I love that one. Let it go. Let it go. Whatever you gotta let it go. You have Mm -hmm. to let it go. And I struggle with it still, but in any situation, if you can't control it, you gotta let it go. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's that prayer. What is it? Why can't I think of the name of the prayer? But you know, the one that I'm talking about. The serenity about. prayer. The serenity God. prayer. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Let it go. If you, if there's nothing you could do to change it, just let it, accept let it, it and let it go. Uh, and what's the worst advice you've ever gotten? Oh man, that's a hard one. The worst advice I've ever gotten. Huh. I don't, I, I don't know if I can think of anything for bad advice. Yeah. No, I don't. Actually, that's not true. I, the worst advice I got was don't do not start dating right away after um, getting divorced. But if I hadn't, I wouldn't be with my husband. So oh. a lot of people told me not to date like so soon after a divorce and I didn't listen. And you got to do what's right for you and listen to your yeah, own. Yeah, I guess I'm so glad I didn't take that advice. Yeah. Uh, and then last question, do you have a favorite quote or mantra that helps get you through hard things? One day at a time. One day at a time. I love that. It's on my, it's, I have it on my foot. I look at it all the time. One day at a time. I love that. Anything one day at a time. And it, and it doesn't, it's not so overwhelming. Yeah. If you just break it right. down to just one day at a time, it's just today. You only have to do whatever you're doing, whatever you're feeling just today. Yeah. You got to wake up tomorrow and something totally new could happen. So just yeah. one day at a time. All right. Oh, I love that. So everybody listening, just take it one day at a time. One day at a time. I love that. Oh, well, I learned so much today. Thank you so much, Allie, for sharing your You're story welcome. and for being so vulnerable. Thank you all for joining us today on the Momentum Podcast, where we aim to inspire, uplift, and empower overwhelmed moms on their journey through motherhood. Stay tuned for more inspiring stories and practical insights. Until next week, take care and stay motivated. Hey there. If you're yearning for more order, joy, and precious moments of peace, and you want to be fully present with your little ones, I've got something special just for you. It's a free time audit tool that can be your first step towards reclaiming your time and finding that balance. Doing a time audit is key to unlocking a life filled with precious moments to be cherished. By using this tool, you will be able to reclaim control. You will gain a sense of control over your daily routines, allowing you to focus on what truly matters, like spending quality time with your children. You will rediscover joy. The time audit tool will help you identify time-wasting habits and replace them with activities that bring you joy and fulfillment. 
You'll also unearth peace. By managing your time more efficiently, you will experience a newfound sense of peace, reducing stress and chaos in your daily lives. You will also be more present with the ability to allocate your time mindfully. You'll be more fully present with your children, creating lasting memories during this precious phase of your kids' lives. In short, this time audit is the first step towards a life where you are in control, filled with joy, and able to savor the fleeting moments with your little ones. Don't miss out on this opportunity to transform your daily life into one that's truly meaningful and fulfilling. Grab your free time audit now and make the change you've been yearning for. Simply click on the link to the show notes where you are listening to this podcast or head over to tanyavalentinecoaching.com. That's T-A-N-Y-A-V-A-L-E-N-T-I-N-E coaching.com to access your free time audit today. Life coaching is all about empowering yourself, leveling up, and taking decisive action. It's about learning how to live a more conscious, intentional life, one with passion and purpose, being reminded that you are in the driver's seat of this thing called life. Yes, there are things that will happen that are out of your control, but allow me to remind you of the things that are in your control so you can find your way to peace through any storm. Have you ever felt that inner nudge that restless feeling deep within, like there's more for you out there. I want you to know that it's your soul speaking to you. And I'm here to help you tune in and listen. I believe those whispers are your dreams yearning to come to life. Let's work together to uncover that inner voice, decipher its message, and turn your dreams into reality. Ready to take that first step? Sign up for a free 30-minute coaching call with me. Let's embark on this transformative journey together. Your dreams are waiting, and I'm here to help you bring them to fruition. Click the link below or simply head to tanyavalentinecoaching.com. That's T-A-N-Y-A-V-A-L-E-N-T-I-N-E coaching.com and click work with me to sign up for your free 30-minute mini session today.